Yeah. When are you ready? Live from the Radisson Hotel in downtown Roseville, Minnesota. This is the legend of the five or more podcasts. We have a thousand people in the room today. <laughs> wait, wait, we're live? <laughs> I, I, I'm Simkoff from Hidden City Rollers. Uh, I'm an exasperated Toriadori after a long day. Nice to be here. This is Tobin Lopez from the Outer Warcast. Uh, this is uh, Brandon Lane from the uh, New England L5R. This is Murph. I'm here from Focus Focus Strike. This is Sparks from Troll 5R. Hi, Shay from J Throne Podcast. Uh, I'm Merlin from, what are we, Hidden City Rollers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mel from The Sixth Ring. And I'm James from the Jade Throat Podcast. I'm here for your explicit rating. <laughs> <laughs> so we have an absolute pile to talk about, and we've kind of worked out, uh, we're, we've sequestered ourselves away in some sort of conference room that the mighty Merlin or Mel or somebody has secured, or... <laughs> It's actually an underground bunker, but we really shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> I need an adult, guys. <laughs> this is pretty crazy. Um, we've got microphones hanging from the ceiling. We have wires. It's very unsafe. I think um, OHS would not be happy. Uh, <laughs> so I think what we're going to do, we've got a thousand things to talk about. Um, so I'm going to try and moderate today. The first thing we wanted to talk about was the clan breakdown. Just for a bit of perspective, we've just finished day 1B. Uh, of the World Championships here at the Fantasy Flight Game Center. Uh, so everybody's pretty excited um, that's made it to day two, and the people who didn't make it are pretty excited about Proving Grounds. Uh, so we'll start off with the clan breakdown for over day one and A, B, what it's looked like. Um, I think Shay wanted to kick that off. Uh, yeah, so uh, according to the stats we've been shown. So on the first day, we're looking at there were 12 crabs, 16 crane, uh, 15 dragon, 9 lion, 10 uh, phoenix, 17 scorpions and 14 unicorns. So uh, curious enough, uh, we have a pretty big, uh, some shifts there uh, going into day two here, which was Saturday. We have, it looks like uh, seven crabs, 21 crane, uh, 14 dragon, 12 lion, uh, nine phoenix, 25 scorpions, and eight unicorn. So, hey, day Jesus, two unicorn. scorpion? Yeah, it was ridiculous. I feel like Shay's announcing a, a horse race or something. <laughs> well, there, there certainly are factions in there that are going to be taken out and just go to the glue factory. Or, you know, some of them are going to go out to stud and we're going to have a lot new, or a lot of really new, excited children personalities. Just, yeah, stud. Well, I was thinking the first biggest issue was the splits from day one to day two. Uh, because it did show that people paid attention to the meta and didn't really care about the deck list restriction because there should not have been such a wide fluctuation between day one and day two unless people got the memo that said Crane is good against Scorpion and Scorpion is good against everyone. Uh, well, that can't really... Uh, like, it's hard for that to be the case because we had to pre-submit all the deck lists this year and everything. I'm wondering, did anyone was anyone able to like flip-flop? I know a guy personally who's from my local playgroup, who I will remain nameless for his own anonymity, <laughs> who decided at the last minute to drop his dragon deck to pick up a crane deck, took the game one, the round one loss, and then went 5 1. So, so okay. Might be easy to figure out, right? <laughs> yeah. So the feel bads are even more real for me because I forgot to put keeper initiates in my deck, and I'm like, well, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And 2 4 later, I, I realized. Was anyone uh, was anyone particularly surprised by the split? I know as a player on day one B, 
it was kind of tough while I'm in the games to like pay attention to the greater uh, split. But I felt like there was a lot of cranes and not as many dragons as I thought. So that was interesting. So um, the I guess that leads into our next topic. You're kind of looking at the different clan breakdowns here, Toridori. But what about as far as the metagame goes? Oh, sorry. No, you need to hold the mic closer. Oh, I've got to hold the mic closer. <laughs> um, as far as the as far as the meta games goes, um, was there any big shifts, trends you saw? Anything that was unexpected? Anything was it really boring? Um, it was kind of interesting. Some of the clans that I think a lot of us expected to do well in Dragon and Phoenix were very stable decks that they sort of played what everyone would expect. That's uh, Crab Splash and Dragon and. Dragon Splash and Phoenix, and they they did pretty well, I think. Like they performed uh, to be as expected, and I think a lot of the other clans kind of had to attack those decks from weird angles. So we saw like Keeper of Earth Scorpion a lot with backhanders in the top tables. There was a Lion playing support of the Scorpion to kind of. I think a lot of those surprise decks on day one did well, and I'm not sure how they'll do day two. But um, yeah, I thought I felt like it was quite a diverse field actually. Yeah, there was definitely a few moments that I thought were a little bit crazy. And I think later on, we'll talk about the just most nuts, crazy, funny moments that, that happened. And there's been quite a few. I was going to say that one of the, the issues on day two, at least, was such a split. The lion unicorn who didn't make it to the part where they could really pick on the clans they're good against, like Crane. Uh, <laughs> once you got dropped below that line, all of a sudden it was just slog fest. But there was lion and unicorn everywhere. Oh no! Speaking speaking of someone playing line at the low tables, uh, of my six games, about four of those were with uh, scorpions. So, you know, oh. nice and nice and feel bads. What, what I found quite interesting, I, I finished twenty fourth on day two, and I was the seventh scorpion. No Haramoto for you. <laughs> no, not even not even close. Uh, so so um, was there any some some hot picks to win? Now we've seen day one and two. Anyone got any thoughts on uh, you know particular players or particular decks you saw that we you know or a particular clan that you think is going to win? I think the uh, old standbys of the uh, online leagues. I think Anil and Shen on and Podor, if they're all in it, I think they're probably going to do well-ish. I'd expect them to make it probably to sixteen, the round of sixteen at least. You know. Hey, yeah, and Jakob, the, the three-time oh. winner in Europe, unquestionably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He went six and zero today. He this, you know, if there's anybody that's going to, and I said it earlier uh, to some other folks gather outside, um, it's in my mind, it's Anil or Jakob. That's yeah. that's it. I, I mean, tell you, it's it. one two. If it does, if it's not one of the two of them, it's insane. Uh, I'm personally rooting for the Balthus uh, Fro final, uh, so we can see if like Balthus gets maximum Gary Oakage. <laughs> well, my question now is, can that happen? Because if you didn't notice, they changed the way that they're doing the day two from last year. Vers last year, mathematically, there were people who made day two that could not make the cut, like myself, because they did uh, extra rounds of Swiss. Instead, this year, it's basically like a play-in round. They're using a top 64 bracket. Anyone, uh, there, people will get buys, and then... And then it'll be like a round of like 32 or something like that. You know, uh, you know who I want to win? I kind of want Pablo to win with uh, that crab deck. Oh crab my deck. God, yes. That is so sexy, especially since the, the performance of crab hasn't really been that great. 
here. <laughs> yeah, but speaking on like a, doing going into like a top sixty four bracket, like I have to say that's a way better for like experience for those watching at home because it's way more fun to follow a bracket than like the two rounds of Swiss leading into it. So I'm hoping we're gonna get like a lot more community engagement online and everything. I think it's also a good thing because, like I said last year, I had to play day two and I knew 100% I couldn't make it in. There's a possibility that someone who was a challenger or just made it in last, like very last today could win the entire thing. So it's absolutely great for the sports stories. There's the Cinderella stories and we get the people with the challenges that make it all the way in. Um, and that happened last year. That happened last year. So a challenger came in second. So wow, <laughs> and that's the world champion uh, Samuel. He was three three, so he only made he did make a get in as the challenger. So we do the world champion still alive. I just can't believe that Shay is even more optimistic in person than he is when I listen to his <laughs> podcast. I just uh, add that in. <laughs> uh, it's wonderful to be around you, man. Yeah, the, you, how do you you know how that's how I didn't tilt going like two four with the no keepers. <laughs> like I was like, it's okay. It'll get better. <laughs> five uh, five bases of illusions. Nah, it'll get. Nah, I can't get six. For, for my pick, I think there there are really a lot of decks that can win, and the the field is full of killers. And every one of my games was actually difficult. Every single game I played today. Um, but yeah, I think Slisky. Um, he uh, there's a lot of shit talk that goes between the US and Europe. So it'd be really cool if. If it, it could be a showdown like that in the in the finals, uh, he's my pick. I think. <laughs> I think an Anil Slisky final would be very very exciting. <laughs> All right. So uh, also, there's a lot of prizes uh, that have been dealt out, and I think Mel's been keeping track of them. Do you want to maybe talk through what you've seen, what you thought was good? Uh, so, um, some of them I have. Uh, so f- first of all, just for participating this year. We got some pretty. I, I liked the the prizes, the participation prizes this year a lot better than last year. We got a shirt which had the Legend of the Five Rings logo on it, and we got this really nice um, binder that I I just really I think it's super pretty. The art on it is gorgeous. So uh, then there's the prize wall, which anyone who has tickets and you didn't have to earn the tickets specifically in L five R or. Uh, <laughs> you could have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You can break yeah. uh, the what the Game of Thrones melee system like Matthews over there. Yeah, Matthews. I'm going to talk about this for a hot minute. Um, Mance Raider. Mance Raider just wanted to go south of the wall. He wanted to do it in summertime, which does not key any of his effects. He had all these terrible songs that you know just don't actually do a whole lot, and. I tied for second at every game that I played. I did not win a single one. We figured out who was the king who was to be promised in every match that I played. <laughs> now, typically what they were supposed to do was 40 tickets for first, 30 for second, 20 for third, 10 for fourth at every table. But in the weird circumstance that you happen to get a three-way tie for second place, everybody in second place gets 30 tickets. By the time I was done, I had so much Judge Stink I aimed at my face, and I was just like... <laughs> Man, look, Mance Raider just wants to move south, put more babies in his lady, and sing some rock and roll on the shores of the Iron Coast, which is where Margaritaville exists in Westeros. And, you know, white trash Westerosis in the Iron Islands. Best party. 
All right. Um. So uh, I mean, the game, the Game of Thrones was the place to be for tickets this year. Uh, having never played Thrones before, coming here exclusively for L five R, I bought a starter deck. And came in second in almost every every <laughs> thing I did. It was I just it. it was ticket central. I just I had a great time. Uh, oh my god! I, I got I didn't do terrible, and I got eighty tickets playing L five R for two days. I I had Mance Raiders save the entirety of Westeros and got hundred and twenty in one event. So hundred and twenty tickets. We just gave Anil a builders deck for Thrones, where it just sets there and you just play builders, and he came in second in all of his games by just sitting there. He's like, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, so that's basically what I did all day as well. Um, I may or may not have been in one of Matthew's tables. <laughs> uh, but going forward, with those tickets, we could buy some pretty awesome things. One of the biggest things being uh, the silver-bordered clan champions. Uh, there are also gold-bordered clan champions, but you could only get those... If you were the top eight representatives uh, of your clan each day. So those are the gold ones are very exclusive. Will probably on the third party market go for a lot of money. The silver ones you needed. There were 20 tickets each for one or 50 tickets for a set of three. Uh, And the silver ones also included Yuri Tomo. So right now I have six Yuri Tomos. Uh, and you could also get last year's honor tokens. You could get some of the other uh, promos as well, the acrylic strongholds and things like that from the prize wall. As our sort of resident expert on the eBay secondary market for the Jade Throne podcast, <laughs> I've already gone through and started tracking these things. It appears as if people are putting those uh, three of Gold Border Clan champions up for between 200 and three hundred dollars in a lot of cases. Some people are letting them go for a hundred and a quarter. If you're finding them for that much, you're you're finding them on the cheap end. As far as the silver clan champions, they're going for about a bill for a playset. Yeah, we had a Neil. Uh, he went undefeated day one, so he got the like fancy Hataru like uh, Kachiko art print, and it sold for about three hundred and fifty dollars. So. <laughs> Yeah, so the the uh, the gold border champions we saw Sakune, which is effectively unplayable. Uh, three of in the normal L five R trade group for five hundred dollars. Wow. Uh, so if Phoenix are smart and pick a void roll, you just get the dragon attachment, and she just sits there farms potatoes all day long, and then you just waning hostilities, and she's just like, "Well, I have eighteen fate on me, and I'm uh, not in any conflicts. You can't honor or dishonor me, so I have eighteen fate on me, and I always resolve all the rings." <laughs> this is this is the new hotness. As long as a phoenix picks a void roll, and that's why I think Sakune, like you do it either Sakune or Tadaka, and you're like, you can't play cards or potatoes or have fun. Or potatoes. So I'm going to offer up a, a, maybe a controversial role, which a uh, controversial opinion, which is FFG has to move away from these champions. That, that like we got them last year. We're done, we right? We're, we're good. We're, we're good. We're, yeah, we're good. Like, like really, like how many times can we look at the same fracking art over and over and over, done in different ways? Like, okay, we've done the full bleed arts. We're good. We have these we have these silver things. Now we now let's move on to something fracking else. This some some alt art strongholds would be amazing. You know, those strongholds are on the table from the get-go. All right. Well, though I think that would be amazing. This was the first chance for me to get Yuri Tomo. Oh no, no. I d- don't argue I don't argue I don't begrudge Yuri Tomo at all. It's the really like champions again. Like it's cool. The framing is cool, but let's move past it. 
like anything with prizes, there's always going to be a big issue between exclusivity and inclusivity. Like you want people to be able to get them, but you don't want them to be too much out there because you want to be able to have some value for them. FFG has done a good job over the years of protecting the value of their full arts. However, what I would have liked was if you're in the top eight of your clan, you get to vote. Whoever wins that vote of the 16 people, because there's eight in each day, whichever card wins the thing, you will get mailed your full art for that card. You pick which card you want as a clan. Well, and that'd be cool. And I also think that we, what FFG has to do is has to make more of a variety of prizes in general because what's happened in Game of Thrones and other games is we'll get the the same tokens, the same air freshener. Trust me, it's an air freshener. Uh, we'll get the same thing in like six different colors. But it's the same same for example, the honor the the honor dishonor tokens. Right, right. They're the exact same things as last year, but they're gold. Yep. So mm. I had a very long conversation with someone who I have to remain nameless and gave them some information on what kind of prizes we like and who makes those prizes. Okay, cool. I'm cool. I'm with Tobin. I'm I'm kind of fucking tired of the same <laughs> fucking characters. Explicit rating achieved. <laughs> it, it, it's gonna get worse. Uh, what what I would really like to see, kind of like what he said, maybe a system where you're voting for a new character that is gonna get your full bleed, or uh, maybe I don't know, do one of the other five costs that you have in faction, and maybe. Absolutely. Exactly. Maybe Scorpion, get Kachiko, and then you could have like a full bleed art that's like cut in two, and she's just scissoring Hataru. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, I would like a full bleed Mawakukabe guard because, you know, he's the hero the lion deserve. <laughs> he's a... I was just going to ask Shay uh, specifically, since where we both finished today, do we really care? The fact that they give us something in and of itself is a bonus. I mean, I need a reward for playing, like, the bottom-rung clan right now, and gold border tutorials are good enough for me. Just just to represent the crab, I think, you know, if we could have some more Tomonatsu promos, uh, <laughs> just, like, some alt arts, maybe some foil promotional ones, that would be great. Just more of that, FFG. Thanks. Right. Cool. I think that wraps up the prizes. Well, no, there's still some more. There's more prizes, yeah, now. Yeah. We, we Tell me even, more. We didn't even get to the fact that, uh, and I'll just go through them real quick, Undefeated got... Uh, a special print top of clan got special prints from uh, each of their clan and then anyone who makes day two got a goal gets a gold border city uh city of the open hand so i'm sure they're absolutely loving that if they're not scorpion that's awesome <laughs> uh, top 32 We'll get a custom play mat, which again, they're definitely gonna love it if they're not scorpion because uh, that's uh one of the Scorpion cards. Top 16 gets a medal. And. Top 8 gets a, a token box, which is the exact same style of the Hatamoto token boxes, just it has a scorpion on it. Uh, top 4 gets a print of their playmat. Uh, top of Clan uh, gets to pick their role and they get the. Uh, Stone roll. Which are cool finalist. The finalist gets a plaque 
It looks exactly like the store championships from Game of Thrones plaques. And then the winner gets to design a card and gets a play mat and a trophy. So I'm going to say uh, those those uh, Altart uh, City of the Open Hands, like making day two, if you're not Scorpion, like uh, you got like $300 for making day two. Like yes. that's going to sell for so much. They're, uh, they've stabilized right now at about buck fifty. Yeah, so it's 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 terrible. It's only one hundred and fifty dollars, but you paid seventy five to get in the event, so you're pretty good. Some of us from overseas paid a bit more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, we do need to just break now. We do have a word from our sponsor. Are you feeling tired, run down, unable to stand up straight in the morning? Shiatomi Encampment specializes in rejuvenating packages designed to help you regain your senses of vitality and enthusiasm. Just last week, I ran into a mob of unruly peasants who chased me all the way to my home. The next morning, I hardly felt like getting out of bed, but after a quick visit to my local Shiatomi Encampment, let, I could hold my head up high again, so much that I found those peasants and rode them down on my trusty steed. Visit Shiatomi Encampment and use the code ROLLERS for a free introductory program. Shiatomi Encampment, regain control of your life. <laughs> that is the worst your boner doesn't work ad I have ever heard of. <laughs> was it you or your horse that was fucking those peasants? It's equestrian dysfunction. Mel, Mel has, uh, I don't know if the mics are picking this up, but Mel has uh, broken down. Yes. <laughs> I think we're broken up. She's gone. <laughs> All right, well, I think we won that ad. Um, so we're going <laughs> to... So what we do have now, though, is uh, the game's been out for over a year now. Um, this is the second World Champions uh, World Championship. We've seen two Gen Cons. So I was just going to like maybe go around the room. Has anyone got any thoughts on like where the game started, where it's gone now? Seems like some dips. Why don't we just kind of go around the room? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Let's go reverse order to the intros. Oh. (laughs) Man, it's really good to see that Dragon and Scorpion are still struggling to pull those wins out. (laughs) (laughs) It it just makes me feel for them. And, you know, unfortunately the crab are not... Well, there's enough of them, right? There's some. Some is a Some. There's there a number were, between 1 and 12 from the first day that made it. There were 14 total yesterday. And there so 26 were more across 200 than that. people. Uh, there were less than that today. Okay, so it's, Th- it's There about, were in the entire tournament. Yeah, it, I think it, Crab was one of the least represented cr- clans in the whole thing. So, I mean, maybe better. Things have shifted, yes. Yeah. So, my thoughts... Uh, and I've made this very clear to FFG, is that they missed a really big opportunity when the game first came out to really kind of foster a large community because they had a lot of people interested in this game. The problem is they did not have enough support at, in the organized play at each level. Uh, personally, I think they do a really great job with the organized play structure in Game of Thrones. And I think that would have worked really great with L5R. But they decided to go in a different direction. And especially in the U.S., they hid a lot of the tournaments behind conventions. And I love Cascade Games. They're great. Um, so I don't mind them running the events at all. But hiding them behind conventions 
really put a damper on organized play. And I think that really killed a lot of communities because they didn't have a lot of the local support and they didn't have even the number of tournaments that we used to have in old L5R that really fostered that sense of community. I had to personally, because of cost, I had to cancel one of my trips to a Cote. So that really, I think, kind of may have led to some of the number drops. And I think they still have an amazing game. And I'm hoping that the changes that they're going to be making aren't going to be too little too late. I'm really proud of a lot of the uh, the U.S. player base for that uh for the one held behind the anime convention in LA, there were only 21 people willing to pay $100 to scam on 16-year-olds in skimpy outfits. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the game the game itself, I think, is in a really good place. And I, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to their the deluge of cards, the card monsoon that's coming. Um, does anybody know just real quick? The term is doing... Cardnado. Cardnado. <laughs> Man, that's going to be made into a movie now. You've done it. You've done it. Um, break me again. Uh, does anybody know if the uh, Children of the Empire is going to replace a cycle or is it as well as a cycle? Anyone? Uh, so based on what we saw from like the preview article for it, it is calling itself a deluxe box thing. So it is not a cycle, but another product thing. So presumably we will have a third cycle still. All right. Well, that sounds that sounds pretty good. Yeah, so when Tyler and uh, and Brad were on my podcast the other day, basically this is a premium box in addition to what we are getting. They they pretty much confirmed that. And we mentioned that we are kind of triggered by the word premium, but they really have assured us that this is going to do a, some... It, what the idea with the premium boxes are, is going to be is they're going to focus on a theme that they want to add into the game. So for this one, it's going to be kind of dueling and honor. And that's what what's going to happen. So we will see more of these in the future is what is what I got from it. But I can't confirm that. Just that's what it sounded like is going to ha- eventually happen. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. It's evergreen and we don't have to cut coupons and there's no embossed tins and evergreen. <laughs> Yeah, but no, if we look at like where we were like here last year, just the core set, like just the influx of card from like two cycles, like Unicorn's a thing, like it can be played and actually show up and make into the cut potentially. Like, I think we're getting into a way better place. Uh, other LCGs haven't really hit their stride until after that second cycle and really started like singing and really getting that deck diversity. So we got Children of the Empire, that's 76 new unique cards. And it's going to be a focus theme, not kind of a scattered theme. And across all clans, accelerated like clan pack releases and presumably another cycle. Like, I think by like, you know, mid next year, like it's, the game's going to get to the point where we're going to get to start seeing like the weird jank. And, you know, I get people get a bad taste about dealing with Scorpion and dealing with uh, Dragon and everything. But I mean, let's think back to what, like six, eight months ago, everyone was saying Dragon was like a dead clan and couldn't win anything. Crab was unbeatable and, you know, Scorpion was like melting the crab and look at where we are now. So the game can kind of shift on these like product releases. So I am cautiously optimistic. I kind of agree a little bit with that, that last year Lion won Worlds 
and now where's Lion? <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. So, so, so here we are. Unicorns win, gonna win worlds this year, right? <laughs> actually, I, I'm gonna probably say they're they're actually my dark horse to pick because they have really favorable matchups with Crane and Scorpion, which is predominantly the cut round. Um, I do like the fact that with after this set is when the game should really spread out in terms of like diversity. If you look at other games, that's roughly when they hit their strides of about 250 to 300 cards. So when they start to really take off, they get like some diversity. I also am really happy with the new elemental cycle because I think that's one place they really missed the boat. Wasn't having enough events because there were, there were lots of events. I mean, in Europe, there are people going like crazy, but they were starting to lose that regional diversity that tied L5R communities together because I have no reason to drive 12 hours to the nearest event because I don't really know all those people. But when they get into the elemental cycle, the elemental championships, there's like one for your region. People start to show up. It's like guys drive down from three hours away, stay at my house. We get to know each other, that kind of thing. What I really think FFG needs, and I've made it very clear to them several times, they need a community manager, and they need that community manager to foster a relationship within the community and to figure out where the events need to be held and increase those events. Uh, the first part of getting a community manager, absolutely. Somebody to manage all that, super awesome. What I also would like is somebody to proofread the various rules to make sure that they're all congruous with one another because – I don't like having to guess at everything. Are we playing with the RRG or are we playing with the tournament rules? And what's going on? Because people look at it and go, if I can't figure out the rules, I'm not playing this game. Yeah, no, my hope is like now that we have like the store level OP, like we can start kind of settling into that X-Wing-esque kind of OP, which I think is like the best OP structure that uh, Fancy Flight has in general. You got the game night kits that keep like your casual level players then you get them into these elementals, which are kind of their first real taste of like a competitive format. And then once they're like, you know what, I feel good. I've done well at a couple of elementals. I'm willing to throw down some money to go to a convention. Or if we're lucky, hopefully Houston, I thought was a huge success for Cascade in a Cote outside of a convention. So fingers crossed, we also see some more of those lower that and acts as kind of a middle tier even more. Go to one of the lower financial commitment Cotes and then one of the higher ones. So I, I'm really excited that we're getting more of the middle tier stuff um, coming from like the New England region, which is where we're, we're based. You know, we all have our own stores and we all have our own OP kits, which are great. And they've taken up the place uh, moving from, you know, somebody just gets into the game to coming into having nothing. And then all of a sudden, all of the kits coming out. Um, we're now seeing like we're seeing people make leagues like we have our own like New England Discord League um, that we've been that we've been doing. We have prizes and custom play mats. But now that Fantasy Flight's putting out the OP kits, we're seeing them move into the elemental challenges again um and we're i know that we're going to have a bunch of those in the area um and they're going to be they're going to be non-stop they're going to be really important i think in the step moving from uh casual player to people who are looking to play in some more tournaments without them being gated behind um all of these conventions and having something to move up to is what i think gives people uh the, you know the ability for the game to really grow i'm going to disagree with shay about the that being the best structure they have i think game of thrones is better where it's store level, regional, nationals, worlds. Uh, and also, at being part of both communities, I'm hoping that we also foster more unofficial fan tournaments as well eventually. Because, for instance, we had 80 people for Thronestoberfest for Game of Thrones. And that was just like a different format of the game. And people will make their own... Alter alternative art prizes, all kinds of 
uh, fun things like that. And I would like that to happen. So as far as the first year goes, um, I'm, I'm thinking that this first year has gone well. You know, I think Shay brought it up. Dragon was weak six months ago. We were looking at Dragon going, where is, where is this clan that we all thought was happening? And then Anil helped figure it out, right? <laughs> Just like Frotop helped define the Scorpion clan. And, and some other folks have, have defined uh, Jakob took that and, and ran with it. Um, I like where we are a year in. You know, now, that being said, a lot of cards have been released, but the, we're talking about seven clans. With each cycle, there's 120 cards there. So if you divide 120 by seven, you're looking at very few cards per clan. The provinces have been a big deal. Look at Feast of Famine. Uh, you know, you have you have these provinces. So the game is still in its infancy. It really is. The Cardnado that's hitting in 2019 is going to see, uh, we're going to see a lot of growth there. I'm excited for it. Um, Children of the Empire and the five clan packs uh, should be insane. I just wanted to touch on a little bit of something that Mel mentioned about fan run tournaments and stuff. I think it's a great idea. Um mainly because they get to make their own fan art and you get to play them in your deck in official sanctioned world championship. <laughs> we can talk about that during the funniest moments of the tournament. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, I was just going to just go on record and apologize. Sorry the Jade Throne uh, cast members keep making the degenerate decks that warp the environment are bad. I was just going to say, even in Thrones, because I kind of followed it loosely before it got to the point where it became really vibrant. But a lot of these fan-run tournaments didn't really start until like year three or four. People started to build up on that. And then they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And in L5R, the same things will happen. Because I can think of the old tournament organizers who had name value. Like you would go to Texas just to play in Leanne's event. Or you would go to Calgary to play in Diana's event because you knew who they were. Or Feeding Hills for Massachusetts. Or you went to Seattle because that was the place to go in your region and those will eventually develop organically as people start pushing for them. I'm looking forward to going to uh, Australia to go to the hidden roller derby. Like come here and win our tournament. You have to go on roller skates. <laughs> um, yeah. I think you guys uh, touched on some great stuff. And while I do think FFG could have done a little better massaging the game in the first like six months of release where there was a quite a lull with announcements and, the game kind of got into a bit of a degenerate state with like charge bird policy debate <laughs> bullshit, um, which I remember playing a casual game with someone new and doing that to them and going, oh shit, I, I can't play this deck and teach this person this game this way. They're just going to quit straight away. Um, and I think since then, they've actually listened to a lot of the criticism. They're, they're being a bit more timely with their releases and um, I'm, I have faith in Tyler going forward. I also just want to say, I think that this game... Um, probably isn't a casual game. Um, it can be played casually, but I think it's okay to admit that this is a, a very highly skill-intensive game. It takes a lot of brain power and then sell it as that. And perhaps also, um, yeah, like for instance, there was a, a Lion player who was playing Support of the Scorpion and he made 5-1. And this guy, um, you know, I mean, that just proves that skill is the largest determining factor in success in this game. So it, it is it is a punishing game, and maybe that's okay. That's all. That's what I'll say. All right. So um, there's probably uh, there's a few things that we, uh, we wanted to cover off around. I think Mel was talking earlier about AGOT um, and L5R. So maybe Shay and Merle, did you want to have a, a bit of a quick chat around the differences between AGOT and L5R this year and how it's gone at Worlds? 
I mean, so I played I played Agot uh, at the kind of death of the CCG. Went into Agot and everything. Had had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I found Agot kind of kind of spun into a non-interactive state, very combo driven, very everything. I'm very happy to see as our card pool has grown. Naturally, uh, L5R seems to push interactivity. Even our most like degenerate decks are still. Co- they still have to target your card and move your card out, and you still have to engage in conflicts and play with the base mechanics of the game. I mean, even back in the CCG era of L5R, we all remember Honor Rockets. It's like, <laughs> what's he gonna do? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna interact with you at all. Can you, can you beat me before the time runs out? It's like no. faceless decks. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. As kind of always a blitzy, more aggro player, I love it that they're fostering for L5R in particular. Like, you have to interact with your opponent. We don't get to set and play solitaire. Well, actually, I think there are still a few decks that are a little more solitaire, sit back and win in Game of Thrones. And at one point, it had gotten to a really bad point. But recently, as more cards have been released, it's become more and more of you have to interact with your opponent, you have to make these challenges. And I think that Game of Thrones is in a good place. But what I really want to talk about, though, is the experience that both like Mur- I know Murph and and I and I don't know about you Shay we played in Game of Thrones and L5R here at Worlds and uh, personally I thought that um that L5R was was better attended even though like half the clan uh, half the Half the field was Hatamotos at day one when we showed up. Yeah, I think most people just fought against Hatamotos. Yeah, <laughs> it was it, it's you expect to see that. I mean, it's it's one of those things though that it shows the ebb and flow of any collectible card games. Like now, L five R is entering the part where in Game of Thrones, it became vibrant, where new factions could actually win. You could play not the dominant faction and win. Uh, the same thing may happen in L five R with the new cards. I mean, right now, if you look at the attendance. FFG has really pushed hard to get people to just try the game, even here at Worlds. All those points for playing in Melee and all the alternate formats because they didn't get 200 people between the two days to play Thrones at Worlds. That's a really bad omen to say when your attendance for a Worlds drops under 200, you know that basically now you're getting down to the diehards, like those people, and the other ones are only playing because they're in the vicinity. And, and that's, uh, we brought this up before we started recording. That's, I brought this up with some of you. We're just north of 200, right? For, for between the two days. And Netrunner, uh, if, if uh, my sources are correct, and it's basically my buddy Jason, it, you know, they had 230 at their lowest, I think 230 or 270 at their lowest point over six years. So that is a, a point of concern the elemental championships the elemental challenges those kinds of things uh i that fostered local communities local growth local participation that then feed into this i'm hoping will help but it is a point that i'm not worried about it but i am watching it uh yeah so i wonder how much uh the kind of magnum opus that final hurrah for netrunner uh impacted the attendance just out of like a cost perspective like I wanted, like, I'm a Netrunner, say I'm a Netrunner player who's also playing the L5R Thrones. You know, it's expensive to get the Roseville. I can only do one. I'm going to go for the send-off for the one game I play. Uh, having been at Magnum Opus, 
I would think that's going to be a marginal impact. There weren't too many. Like I, I said, yeah, I'll be here for L5R in two months. And everyone went, oh, okay, that's great. Like no one, like there were very few players that were, that were, uh, that I met that were L5R, not a critical mass, I would say. Yeah. And again, it just goes back to the point that FFG needs to hire a community manager, manager because these games live and die on their communities. And if they do not foster these communities in the proper way and have the growth of the communities like AG did with the Stronghold stores, for instance, that really helped to get us. Uh, we were a level 20 Stronghold store. Now we are lucky if we have three people show up at our events. So they really need to just foster that community because, again, these games live and die on the players and the community. Definitely agree with that, Mel. Um, we might just uh, move across to the next topic now. Um, so there was, I guess, Merlin was going to kind of lead this sort of discussion, is 2008 pre, pre-restricted pre list, post, post-restricted list. Um, 2018? 2018. <laughs> right. I'm back in Diamond Edition or something. Or Lotus or something. I don't know what it was back then. Merlin, um, samurai. samurai edition. What do you What do you think? Let's ban that chitik. Sa- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chitik broken. I feel like I've entered the twilight zone. I so what I kind of wanted to do is uh, look back at the last year of competitive play, and I feel like um, a lot of the recognition goes to like Hatamotos. You get a badge, you get a playmate, you get all this stuff. But if you win a Kote, you don't necessarily get any of that stuff to show off that you've just won a Kote. So what I kind of wanted to do is tell a bit of a story uh, about the the 2018 Kote season and stuff, right? So if you remember uh, Worlds last year, we were here and Sam Benny's took Worlds. He's got a playmat to recognize that, right? Like So that's fine. And then Pax Unplugged, uh, Stephen Didio, one with Crab. Didion. Didion. I'm going to mispronounce so many he's people's names. So he, if you're... For he's listening. the one with the, the sunglasses and the he's the one with the sunglasses and the fedora Spectre. and no Facebook. He's nice. great. I will say it is stepping on my territory mispronouncing proper nouns. That doesn't <laughs> <I>, matter. <laughs> oh, you know what? No, it's my it's my territory to to in mispronounce names. That's what I do. I see. Yes, senpai. Uh, so Madrid, Pablo Espinosa won Madrid with won uh, Madrid with Crab. So he's remember he was my hot pick. So I really hope that plays off. Pack South, Chris Potoff. The the deck, everybody remembers the deck. You got the Balrog again. What I do? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, Cork, Matt Light, one with Scorpion again. The deck, Paris Grand Cote, Jakob. Uh oh, Jak. What's the Jakob's last name? Erzik. Actually, can I say something real quick? I actually got some some criticism yesterday on my podcast that I spend too much time. Uh, apologizing for mispronouncing names and then uh, going, how do I pronounce this? How do I pronounce this? Apparently, people would just prefer we mispronounce the names. All right. I'm going to now continue to mispronounce everybody's name. Jakob again won Warsaw with Scorpion. And then Atlantis, Steve Palumbo uh, won with Scorpion. So that's one, two, three, four, five Scorpions in a row. Just saying. <laughs> San Fran, San Fran uh, Alex Dunseth. One with Crab, Birmingham, Jacob, uh, Jakob again with Scorpion. And then the restricted list hit. So I'm pretty sure I'm right on the timeline. So remember, Melbourne uh, was won by Gleb... Gleb. Gleb. He's your training partner. Come on. You have to commit. You have to commit. Yeah. 
Gleb, sorry. <laughs> uh, Isn't or- he like one of your best mates, dude? <laughs> 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 he was. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Origins, Anil Sitharan, uh, one with Dragon. Bologna, uh, Ralph Ferrer, <laughs> one with Dragon. Seattle, nobody knows who won Seattle. If you know who won Seattle... I, I know who won Seattle. Who won Seattle? It was a grand co-tie. It was Jared Wright, uh, a.k.a. Mosey, playing Crab, and he, uh, he submarined that shit and won that. Nice work. Uh, LA uh, was run by Riley White, uh, also playing Crab. Houston was run by Johnny Shin. Uh, Gen Con, uh, North American Champions, was won by Anil Sarithram. And that brings us kind of up to date. So for those playing the home game, uh, pre-restricted list, Crab won three, Scorpion won six, and Dragon won zero. Post-restricted list, Crab won two, Scorpion won one, Dragon won two. Did I miss anything, do we think? The Jade Throne. I don't know how many of those were us. I'm pretty sure Jade Throne's not a clan on here. <laughs> it's not. But it no. wasn't you, but you had a motoed. Did, did we cover uh, minor uh, normal cotes? I know that we uh, Atlanta was the actual last weekend for, for yeah, the restricted list. Um, so Steve Palumbo was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We we'll Atlanta. I know you guys love uh, self-congratulation at the Jade Throne, but uh, does it count if everyone at the Kotai is a member of your podcast? That's all I'm saying. (laughs) They weren't all. It was just the majority of the people at the Kotai were part of our podcast. And sure, sometimes we just recruit the Kotai winners to the podcast. It's a valid strategy. Everybody else, that's your imperative to get good. (laughs) All right, so um, we just very quickly uh, need to get through a few topics now. We are running out of time, but Merlin, um, did you want to just? We know there's a there's a podcast that's not represented here today that I thought we could give a little bit of a shout out to. Yeah, so um, the Imperial Advisor, right? We're unfortunately un- lack unrepresented at this event, but they have been diligently putting together the data and statistics from all of the photos that we've been taking of the the pairings each round. So I think it's probably worth it's probably worth shouting out to Imperial Advisor. Go to the Imperial Advisor website and look at their coverage initially of day one, and they'll continue to do that through day two. Not that anybody's going to hear that before then. Um, just wanted to point out when talking about the guys at the Imperial Advisor, not only do they answer all my rules questions off the cuff so that I don't have to worry about it, but they did an exceptional resource to the community by putting together the list of roll lock cards. So if you are building a deck and you want to know what you're doing, what to think about, you can go to their website, look up article, roll locked, and you will find all the cards for each specific role that you can play based on what role you are. All right, Mel, now pretend you're on Final Jeopardy here. You've got 60 seconds. Quickly cover the K-pop dance-off. That's all you got. Oh, 60 seconds. Okay, so as many of you know, we did the K-pop dance-off against cancer, which raised money for a member of... Technically, the Game of Thrones community, uh, Jesse Carpenter, who went through his third bout of cancer. Uh, unfortunately, I lost to Darren Hazelden, uh, but uh, I was told that I was robbed and I was awesome. EU pips the United States again, it seems. Troll 5R always wins. That was a fantastic uh, event for a great cause. It, it was fun. And uh, uh, personally, the highlight of it for me was Murph showing up in a banana suit. That is unbelievable. <laughs> this, this is all... He all, didn't even show up for his prize, though. This is all on video, and you can you can see. Cool. All right. So the way we wanted to end this is that 
over the last couple of days, whilst there's been some extremely competitive gaming going on and some absolutely killer Hatamotos and non-Hatamotos fighting it out, um, just there's been a few sort of humorous moments, some some moments where people have gone, huh? <laughs> so I thought maybe we'd just share share some crazy moments around the room over the last couple of days. Um, so so I, I didn't do very well. So there aren't a lot of happy, funny moments in mine. But there were there were three. One... Someone, and, and, and this happened at Gen Con. I played Good Omen, and the person went, what does that do? <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's what that does. And then the two people who hit Flooded Waste, and this probably has to do with how I, how I didn't do very well. The two people that hit Flooded Waste went, you know, I didn't know that. I had forgotten that card existed. And, you know, it was, it was, and those are the two games I won. So, you know, that's the funny moment for me. <laughs> um, for me personally, it was an absolute joy to look over uh, everyone, the emotions are high. People are trying to make it into the cut. And uh, in the penultimate round or the second penultimate round, it was a lion splash uh, support of the scorpion against a... Uh, <laughs> what was the other one? I can't even remember. It was a scorpion sp- uh, with support Port of the Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, so two support roles duking it out. The winner was going to go through to day two. So that was my highlight. That was fucking crazy. <laughs> Uh, my funniest moment was at like kind of uh, round five. There's uh, about six of us, three and one lions, and they paired us all next to each other at the end of the table against each other. So it was just sitting there, just lion on lion on lion on lion. And my opponent is uh, contingency plan, way of the chrysanthemum. He's at 23 honor at the end of turn. I'm like, I'm not losing to an honor deck. That's legit. <laughs> I think my funniest moment of the entire tournament was when I got out Canadian by a guy from Seattle who not only high rolled me by hitting the draw of all draws, but then apologized profusely for the next three rounds while he kicked my face in. And it's like, he said sorry more than me. This is horrible. Personally, my funniest moment was actually when I was going back to my hotel room at about three in the morning. I see Frotop. D-Bat and one other guy from Australia. Was that you? <laughs> it may have been me. <laughs> and, and he's, they're looking for beer and he starts fangirling like crazy over me. And it was just the best moment ever. He was like, are you really Melissa Palmer? Are you really Melissa Palmer? How many people were wearing pants in this story? <laughs> I didn't look down and I'm glad I didn't. Um. But I didn't have beer. <laughs> So there were there were a few few funny moments that stood out. Um, my favorite, I think, over the course of the day today, uh, I was when uh, my dynasty flops would come up and they would see that I was playing Wandering Ronin. Um, I managed to cast a Wandering Ronin. I played him with seven fate. It was fantastic. Yes. Uh, not yet. Wait, wait sorry. But, but I can did you make just day two? Can you just um, repeat the how much fate you played yeah, him with? Seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seven fate Wandering Ronin. Seven. Um, and, uh, last night we were, uh, we were just getting out some, some test matches and, and James, uh, James Balthus walks in and he's just kind of like ripping on my crane opponent. It's fantastic. It was, it was so good. He then proceeded to, uh, beat me in round three. Um, so that was bad, but it was, it was pretty good. So are you going, if you make top four, are you going to make Darren eat the sock? I mean, like, is that even a question? I have extra socks with me. If you oh, need oh I do too. Okay, I've been good. saving one. Don't worry. So, so just- but mine's pink. So uh, re- rounding out, I guess, a few a few little screenshots and moments that I saw that were quite funny. So I saw a screenshot. I didn't see this live, but somebody did cast an Ethereal Dreamer with Six Fate, and I still don't know the story behind it. Does anyone here know what game that was? But an Ethereal Dreamer, one cost was Six Fate. 
I know it was important enough to protect with a finger of jade, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hope so. And then uh, there was uh, there was a game Kingsley versus Shenful, which was a very hard fought game, which we won't go too much into. But there was a wandering Ronin that Kingsley played, and uh, everybody clapped to see a wandering <laughs> Ronin played at the. Uh... <laughs> I did get a rattling in my crab match up to fourteen force. <laughs> <laughs> That is sick. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, anyone got any final thoughts or uh, I think, no, I guess not. All right. So thank you, everybody. Uh, that was a huge podcast. There's what, like 10 of us in the room. I think very quickly, Tobin might say a thing or two. Yeah. One, one quick item. Uh, Cascade Games did release price information and pre-registration information for the North American Cotes, the six that they did announce. They're only 20 bucks. The Cotes themselves are two-day weekends. There's a Cote on each day. So it, it goes to a long ways that community building we were talking about. Go travel. There's one in Phoenix, the Atlanta, Emerald City, Denver. PAX There's Unplugged. all over the place. PAX Unplugged is the yeah. first one, I think. I'll yeah. be judging at PAX Unplugged. So uh, look forward to my terrible rulings. It's uh, quite impressive, actually. From the start of the podcast to now, they've already reduced the price of the Cote. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 20 pretty bucks. impressive. That's 20 pretty bucks. Impressive. Uh, I mean, they just knew that somebody was going to tell them that if they're going to fuck us, <laughs> they need to tell us that we're pretty, buy us a drink, ease into it a little bit. You know, take it easy, guys. If I'll you're going to do that, I'll take a backhanded I'd compliment. Like think no. All right, more than twenty bucks. <laughs> I mean, nobody could accuse you of being bad at that thing that we talked about earlier. No, never. Yeah. Ever. Maybe Shay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there will be a um, safe, uh, a safe for work version release that will be heavily edited. <laughs> but apart from that, thank you everybody. Not uh, thank you everybody for listening. And uh, here in uh, the Radisson Hotel in Minis- uh, Minnesota, we're in Minnesota, right? Yeah. I think so. I can't pronounce the name of the city. And then cue no, the hidden city. And cue the hidden city rollers. Every so special. Theme music. Because honor is the deadliest weapon.